continuing on our sermon series for the month, looking at the wisdom of Wesley. John Wesley, the, the founder of our Methodist movement. And even though he lived so long ago, right, the 1700s, he still had a lot of great wisdom to share with us, wisdom that continues to translate into the church today. We kicked off our sermon series two weeks ago reading from one of Wesley's great sermons. We have, you know, anthologies of his sermons and can go back and read what he was preaching back in the 18th century. And surprisingly enough, it still has merit today. And so as we looked at his sermon on the Catholic spirit, we heard him say these words, though we can't think alike, may we not love alike? Oh, I love those words from Wesley, some great wisdom for us today, recognizing the fact that we are all so different and we can't think alike, but we can unite our hearts together and love alike as a people of faith. I'm grateful for all of our lay folks who helped with our service last week, our Laity Sunday. We even had John Wesley here with us. Amazing, right? He looked good right? He looked good. Um, but to talk about that experience that Wesley had, that transformational kind of conversion experience he had, where he experienced his heart being strange. I heard from folks in our congregation who have had a similar experience through their work in the church, through living out the ministry of this church. Their hearts have been strangely warmed by the presence of the Holy Spirit. So I'm grateful for all those who shared with us. And I hope that you then had the opportunity to reflect on your own experiences of how your heart too has been strangely warmed in the kingdom of God. Well, this morning we are looking at another section of wisdom from the great John Wesley from another one of his writings, not a sermon, however. It's something that actually continues to be right before you at your fingertips every Sunday you come to church. If you look in the back of your pews, I know we don't touch those a lot, right? We've got the words up on the screens, we've got Bibles on our phones, but there is a hymnal there. It's the blue book, all right? If everyone will grab the hymnal. Fancy preacher, I got... Got my name on my hymnal. Um, so if you open it up and just flip past the preface, and you will find directions for singing. Directions for singing right there in the beginning of your hymnal. Has everyone located the directions for singing? Right? Who knew that John Wesley, the founder of our Methodist movement, came up with rules for how to sing in church? Okay, maybe it's not all that surprising, knowing John Wesley, right? We are called Methodists for a reason, because there is a method to our madness, right? We know how we are supposed to do things. This is how we experience the faith. This is how we experience God's grace. There's a method to it. And so Wesley came up with a method for our singing. 
Now, I know we could fall into two separate camps when we hear that there are rules for singing, right? Some of us will say, oh, good rules. We need to have parameters. We need to have restrictions. We all need to line up. Hands raised. Who's our rule followers? Yes. You're a rule follower. You have to raise your hand because it's a rule. <laughs> okay. Then there are others of us who will see rules and immediately say, oh, no, thank you. Right? Not following the rules. That's not for me. Oh, yeah. I see some hands back there. Yes. <laughs> yes. We are very eager to say we are not following the rules. In fact, you give us rules, we are going to do the exact opposite. For the most part, I'm going to say we fall in one of those two camps, right? I know in our faith, there's less black and white and more gray, but I think when it comes to rules, it's pretty black and white, right? Who's going to follow them and who's not? And I can understand that, right? A lot of times when we see rules, we feel like they are restrictions, especially if they are older, outdated rules. We can say, well, that's silly. It's 2019. We don't need rules that were written in 1761. The world has changed. Why even put them in the hymnal? But this morning, as we go through these rules, I want us to look beyond just the letter of the law <laughs> that's written. Because behind these rules is some deep theology of who we are as a worshiping community. And behind these rules, there's not meant to be restrictions, but in fact, there's meant to be an openness for all people to worship together. Now, some things to keep in mind about these rules. As I said, they were written in 1761. They were published in the first hymn book for the Methodists. All right, the first book of hymns and songs for the people called Methodists. Now, at this time, it's not like everyone had access to that hymn book, right? And so the way worship was led was that the preacher, thank goodness it's not like this anymore for your sake, the preacher... <laughs> would sing a line, and the congregation would repeat it back. And that's how they would learn the songs. Now, I also want you to think about this. When we turn to the hymnal, we think, oh, the old, good old songs, right? Dating back. Well, in 1761, these songs were brand new. <laughs> this was the contemporary worship of the day. <laughs> Right? John Wesley's brother Charles was writing most of these hymns. So they were all new. All there for the people to learn together. All right, so let's take a look. This first one. Learn these tunes before you learn any others. Afterwards, learn as many as you please. John Wesley thought very highly of these tunes that he had assembled in his hymn book. But he thought so for a reason. He thought that they were memorable, that they were inspirational, and that they had something to say about the faith. And he wanted the people that were called Methodists to learn these first so that when they came together, they would have a common language. 
a way to be together, a way to worship together. Learn these first. All right, rule number two. Sing them exactly as they are printed here, without altering or mending them at all. And if you have learned to sing them otherwise, unlearn it as soon as you can. Now, when you first read that, you can think, well, excuse me, I happen to like the way I learned it. Thank you very much. But if we think about why he's saying this, again, not everyone had access to the hymn book. And if the people were to gather together so many times when Wesley was preaching, it wasn't even in a church. It was out in the fields, in the world. If the people were going to come together and worship God, they needed to have this common language, this common understanding of the songs so that they could then unite their voices together. Wesley, Wesley's understanding of how God works in us and through us right, is grounded in grace. We know that as Methodists, when we talk about our faith as Methodists, that is a prime word, right? Grace, always grace. And Wesley said that, that God's grace is given universally and without condition for all people to be able to embrace and enjoy. And if we experience God's grace and worship, then it needs to be in a way that everyone can enjoy it. So let's all sing together, unite our voices together. Rule three, sing all. See that you join with the congregation as frequently as you can. Let not a slight degree of weakness or weariness hinder you. If it is a cross to you, take it up and you will find it a blessing. Sing all, every opportunity you have. Sing together with the people of God. Come together as the congregation, as the people of God in worship. Yes, it is possible to be a Christian, to be a person of faith, and to read your Bible at home, and to listen to songs on the radio or on Spotify, and to have your own little worship service. But there's something about coming together in the church, with the people, to sing all, to sing about God. Rule number four, sing lustily and with a good courage. Beware of singing as if you were half dead or half asleep, but lift up your voice with strength. Be no more afraid of your voice now, nor more ashamed of its being heard than when you sung the songs of Satan. <laughs> he doesn't mess around, that John Wesley, right? Sing lustily. It's like, as I was telling the kids, right, we just sing and we sing out, not worried about our voices because we are singing to God and scripture tells us that it is a joyful noise to God's ear. How many of you sing in the car? Would you say you sing lustily in the car? 
and with a good courage. I know when I'm in the car by myself, some of those high Kelly Clarkson notes, I can hit no problem. <laughs> Don't ask me to do it now, but right, we sing out when we think no one can hear. How much more should we sing out knowing that God can hear and that our songs bring joy to the face of God? Sing out. Think strong with a good courage. But, rule five, sing modestly. Do not bawl so as to be heard above or distinct from the rest of the congregation that you may not destroy the harmony, but strive to unite your voices together so as to make one clear, melodious sound. Even if you are the best singer in the congregation, it's not about having your voice be heard. It's about coming together, about uniting our voices, that we may all sing out, not as a way to show off, but as a way to be together as the people of God. This last one. Next to last one. Number six. Sing in time. Whatever time is sung, be sure to keep with it. Do not run before nor stay behind it, but attend close to the leading voices and move therewith as exactly as you can. And take care not to sing too slow. This drawling way naturally steals on all who are lazy. And it is high time to drive it out from us and sing all our tunes just as quick as we did at first. There was a, a moment in the history of the church when they decided, they, whoever they may be, decided that in order for worship to be beautiful and reverent before God, it needed to be slow. There may be people sitting around you who have decided that as well. <laughs> right? For worship to be reverent, it needs to be drawn out and dramatic. Wesley says, no, no, it's about joy, it's about excitement. Don't draw it out. Keep up with each other. Sing together. These first six rules, there's one left, but these first six are really about kind of the, the how. Right, the how are we to go about singing? How are we to go about worshiping? And as I was thinking about this, I, get, I really just got this image of my mind of being at a, at a concert. Right, recently my sisters and I have uh, decided that's kind of our sister activity, right, is we go to concerts together. We've been to Taylor Swift and Lady Gaga and Kelly Clarkson. I'm giving you an insight into me. <laughs> with my list of concerts. Um, <laughs> but there's something about being in that atmosphere, right? Where the person who is singing, the person who's, at, you know, you're, you're there to see, the person on stage who's singing, is singing all of their greatest hits and singing them as you hear them on the radio because they want everybody else to be able to join in. 
right? No matter how big the venue is, you hear voices all around coming together to sing these songs. And even if the artist has a new album out, right? They'll maybe play one or two from the new album. But then inevitably, you start to hear shouts from the crowd, right? Free bird! Um, (laughs) Because we want to sing the songs that we know, the songs that we love, so that we can come together as a people and sing. And so how much more should it be like that in worship? That collectively we come together. The songs of our heart, the songs of our faith, lifting them before God. And so Wesley gives us some great hows, how-tos. But this last one, this last one really gets to the heart of the why. Above all, sing spiritually. Have an eye to God in every word you sing. Aim at pleasing him more than yourself or any other creature. In order to do this, attend strictly to the sense of what you sing and see that your heart is not carried away with the sound but offered to God continually. So shall your singing be such as the Lord will approve here and reward you when he cometh in the clouds of heaven. This is why we sing. Why we sing to bring glory to God. And this isn't something new. This isn't something that that Wesley came up with, right? This dates back to the earliest ancestors of our faith. I mean, in our scriptures, we have a whole book of songs to sing and worship God with. And within those songs, we have our own reasoning for why we should sing, right? The book of Psalms gives us that. And for instance, let's look at Psalm 47 together. Clap your hands, all you people. Shout joyfully to God with a joyous shout. Because the Lord Most High is awesome. He is the great King of the whole world. He subdues the nations under us, subdues all people beneath our feet. He chooses our inheritance for us, the heights of Jacob, which he loves. Salah. God has gone up with a joyous shout. The Lord with the blast of the ram's horn. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our king. Sing praises. Because God is king of the whole world. Sing praises with a song of instruction. God is king over the nations. God sits on his holy throne. The leaders of all people are gathered with the people of Abraham's God because the earth's guardians belong to God. God is exalted beyond all. Sing praises, clap, shout, sing, all you people. Why? Because God is king. God is king over all the earth, and that is something to celebrate, to rejoice in, to lift your voices high. And so we sing. And we sing not because we are supposed to sing. We sing not because we're told to sing. But we sing because we have had an experience of God that we have known deep in our souls that, yes, God is king, and I can't help 
but sing. Came across a, a, a video recently. The comedian, Michael Jr., who when he's doing his uh, stand-up routines, often he'll stop in the middle and kind of a, have a conversation with someone in the audience. He did this um, and had a conversation with a man that he found out was a music director at a school. And so he said, you know, well, sing me a little something. How about Amazing Grace? Take a look. So you're a musical director? Cool. Yes, sir. All right, so um, let, me get a couple, let me get a couple bars of like uh, Amazing Grace. Can you do the first part of that? Go ahead. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. That bro could sing, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> he could sing, right? And it was beautiful. But then Michael Jr. is going to ask him to sing it just a little bit differently. To sing it not as words on a page, but to sing it as someone who knows God's amazing grace. Let's take a look. Uh now, once you give me the version, is if uh, your uncle just got out of jail, you got shot in the back when you was a kid. I'm just saying, let me see the hood version real quick. If you know which version I'm talking about, just see if that exists. Let me see what you got. Amazing grace. faith from a place of knowing what it is we are singing about, of having known it, having experienced it. And so for us to come together as a church, to come together as a people of faith, and to lift our voices together, can we sing from a place where we know, we know what we are singing is true? And that our singing, our singing is an experience of God's faith and an expression of our faith. That our singing is an experience of God's grace and an expression of what it is to know God's grace. That our singing and our worshiping is an experience of love 
and an expression of God's love. Yeah, Wesley may have written some rules for singing. And we may want to follow them strictly because they're rules and that's what we're supposed to do. Or we may want to toss them out because who needs rules to tell me how to sing? But I think he had some wisdom here in guiding us and how we can unite our voices and worship God the King. Will you pray with me? A holy and gracious God, Lord, we give you thanks for the opportunity to come together as a people, to gather in this sanctuary and to lift our voices in praise and thanksgiving to you. As we come to the close of our service, we, we're going to sing two more songs. God, and we pray that our voices may join with the voices of the angels in heaven in celebrating who you are and singing out and singing lustily and with a good courage to declare what we know, what we have experienced from you, to give thanks and praise and worship of God.